below and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. And I'm really excited about today's podcast because I'm going to be joined by Seth Partnow, managing editor of Nylon Calculus. Uh, also, more importantly to me, since I work at the Washington Post, he's a regular contributor to the Fancy Stats blog. And I know he's going to get mad at me for saying this, but I think he's genuinely the smartest person writing about the NBA. So I'm very happy that he is on the podcast. So, Seth, how are you? Uh, no pressure to follow that intro. I <laughs> uh, thank, thank you so much. I'm doing. I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem, man. So, uh, Seth. Seth writes a lot about um, advanced stats and analytics in a very simple way, and in um, in a way that, uh, frankly, I got turned on to him um, a little before this summer. I, I was happy to get a chance to meet him this summer, but. Um, you know, Nylon Calculus is a, is a blog that a lot of people read in the league and and who are covering it because it, it, it really breaks down um, advanced stats and analytics in, in, in basketball in a way that people can understand, um, even if they're not, you know, calculus and, and advanced math uh, majors in college. So, um, but I, I, I wanted to have you, I was meaning to have you on anyway, Seth, and I, I wanted to have you on today because um, I was listening, I was catching up on the Tony Kornheiser Show podcast, which I listen to regularly, and um, in Wednesday's Washington Post, uh, I had a front page story in the sports section about uh, the Cavaliers were coming into Washington to play to play the, the Wizards, and I had a story about how the Cavaliers were this team that has no real competition in the East and looks like it can be a team to be reckoned with in the East for years to come, not even just this year, which I think is a pretty reasonable point. And on the, in the, on the inside of the same day's paper, uh, we had a story from you about how LeBron had reached the end of his prime and, Kornheiser was losing his mind about how these two stories that seem diametrically opposed could both be in the same paper um, the same day, and he was fascinated by it. Um, I think they both said different things, but what I wanted to ask you as kind of an introduction to this discussion is it seemed to me like that was kind of the perfect marriage of how to use analytics and advanced metrics in writing, which is that, you know, yeah, right now, LeBron is a, you know still a dominant player, and the Cavaliers are kind of unassailable right now. But when you look at LeBron's numbers and you look at his production, you can see a trend that's pretty clearly headed in a certain direction that maybe from the outside observers look at it, just watching on a just watching a random game, they wouldn't notice. Do you, do you think that's an accurate way to put it? Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't quite go so far as to say it, it clearly shows. I think that's, um, in many ways, I think one of the, the founding ethics of, of nylon calculus is, is that, you know, if, if these things were so clear, they wouldn't be interesting to talk about. And so I don't want to make it sound like I've, I've, you know, solved the human genome or anything like that there, but there, there are, are, you know, certainly indications that, uh, at least from an athletic standpoint, that that you know, he's 31. This played, you know, he's as of now, I think 50th all time in in the NBA in regular season minutes played, and seventh in playoff minutes played. So, and you add on top of that, like you know, his his USA Basketball commitments, and he's just played a stunning amount of basketball. Um, so it'd be surprising, I guess, if if you know, 
objectively, if if there wasn't kind of some shot signs of uh, of a slowdown happening, even though he you know is still an immensely physically imposing player, um, and and so that's uh, just the first kind of signs of those cracks are really starting to appear over the last couple of years, and you know the first place we saw it, I think, was kind of towards the end of his time in Miami was on, on defense. It, uh, um, I, I forget uh, a writer friend of mine and I, and I honestly forget which one um, started referring to him as Lacoste, which I thought was a pretty, which, well, I thought was harsh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but more just because he was, you know, I think people who watch the heat regularly would, would agree that, 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 um, you know, on a game to game and possession to possession basis, he wasn't the same player defensively. Yeah, he would that, pick that his spots. Season. He would pick his spots. Yeah, and I. By the way, I, I don't think that's. I think that's you know for a, t- a guy who's now gone to the finals five straight years. Um, a guy if he's going to pick and choose his spots to 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 go you know nine thousand miles an hour in the regular season. I think I, I think that that's that's smart of him. I think that's that's some the only way he he, he probably can do it. That you know. Uh, given given the mileage and, and age he has he has on him, so um, I think it's I don't think it's in, he's not doing anything inappropriate by by doing that. I think, but you know, when he was you know twenty seven, um, he he could he'd run everything on offense through him, and he and he could still uh, be everywhere on defense. And as he's gotten a little bit older, that's he just can't necessarily expend that level of defense of, of that defensive intensity kind of every game while maintaining his offensive load. Um, and so that was kind of the first sign. And then, um, you know, when we, we uh, kind of in an outline about this, this podcast, you kind of, what were, what, what kind of turned me on to this story? I've actually been thinking about it since the first game of the year. Uh, if you remember their first game of the year against Chicago, um, last play of the game, he went to the basket and, um, kind of in your mind's eye, you see a play where like, you know, going back to the, 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 the conference finals versus Detroit in his, his first Cleveland run, you know, he comes down the lane and, and dunks on Rasheed Wallace and everybody else. Well, Pau Gasol is waiting for him at the rim and LeBron tries to kind of lay it up around him and Gasol blocks it out of bounds. And it's just the inescapable thought was, you know, five years ago, LeBron probably dunks that on him. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just kind of uh, an idea that stuck with me. And then on, on Christmas day, um, Several different times, he's he's going to the rim against players he's bigger than, and still just not able to elevate over the top of them. And so I was kind of got curious to see if that's just something I'm I'm noticing once or twice, or it's something that's um, maybe becoming a trend for him. And I think that was kind of the basis of the piece was I found that you know over the uh, the last couple of years, as kind of our eyes have been telling us that maybe he's lost a little bit of that burst. It's showing up in the fact that he's getting blocked at the rim more often, which um, is, could be an indication of, of that, I think. So uh, that, that's kind of how that, that, that idea came about. And then uh, it was kind of my, the, the eyes saw something and uh, kind of went, went to the data to see, and the data backed it up a little bit. Well, and that, and, and I, I, I we we're going to kind of loop around a different way than I kind of initially intended because, um, that that's kind of the heart of what you try to do, right? Um, I think a lot of people look at advanced stats, especially people who don't necessarily understand them or want to take the time to try to learn them. And 
they just dismiss them and say, oh, there's just these guys sitting in a room with a computer or in a lab, and they're just trying to figure out what's happening without actually watching. But in reality, someone like you is watching games, and when you see something like that, and I was both at the at the Christmas Day game and at, and watching that play in the season opener, and I had the same thought as you both times, um, that, wow, LeBron, A, got blocked by Pau Gasol, and B, is not finishing at the rim over these guys that you should be able to, um, that you watch a game and see something like that and go, hey, I need to go figure out why this is happening. And then you can use the numbers to either refute or back up your thought process. I mean, that that's kind of the, the basic genesis of what you try to do, right? Sure, and even before that a little bit, um, to see, is this happening? Um, because it's it's very easy to see something that happens once or twice. And, and I actually, I, I kind of caught myself doing this the other, the, I think last week, um, uh, I, I don't remember who I was watching, it was Charlotte versus someone, and and Marvin Williams hit like a bunch of shots in the fourth quarter. And, and I, I remember thinking, wow, Marvin Williams is really, you know, doing great this year. And then I actually went and looked at the numbers and was like, he's been okay. He's been, he's, he's been solid and okay, but it's just my, my perception of him hitting, you know, these three or four jump shots down the stretch. This one game has really kind of colored everything that, that's gone before. And I'm kind of, I'm misremembering. And, and so going back to the, the, the broader context of all the numbers uh, really kind of made me check myself a little bit and, and, and make sure I wasn't just overreacting kind of to something that happened this time in the moment, because, you know, the guys who are in the NBA are, are in the NBA for a reason. And so on any given night, someone's capable of, of, of doing something really, you know, quite, quite good. Um, and, and that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that on a night to night basis, that's the player they are. And, and being able to, to go back and, and research and, and look into the, that, that sort of thing is, uh, is pretty vital, I think, to, to not just overreacting to, you know, the, the, really the small set of, of an NBA, of NBA games that any one person watches anyway. Um, you know, there's, there's 1,230 games in a year. Uh, I probably watch 20 hours of basketball a week, which means I'm, I might see, you know, 50, 100 of them. Uh, counting, counting the playoffs, so there's much more that I'm not seeing than I am seeing. So being able to kind of know something about what happened in those games is, it, it, I you need the stats for that. No, totally, totally agree. Now I want to swing back around to that later, but um, for people that don't know, Seth has, um, in addition to being, you know, I think if not the smartest, one of the smartest people writing about the sport, he also has maybe the most interesting background of anybody who's writing about the sport today. Um, as someone who was born in and now currently lives in Alaska, an NBA hotbed. Um, I was thinking about this before the podcast started. Uh, the only NBA people I can think of from Alaska are Mario Chalmers, Carlos Boozer, and Trajan Langdon. So uh, is there? are you the fourth most prominent NBA person from Alaska, or, or am I missing a wide swath of Alaskan basketball greats that you can fill me in on? Um, that's, uh, the, you know, I, those, those three are all in the Alaskan basketball hall of fame. I'm pretty sure. I actually, uh, I, I went to high school with Trajan, so he's, uh, um, Oh, wow. Uh, that's, that's a which, connection which I didn't even know. Bit. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I probably haven't spoken to him in 15 years, but, uh, no, he's, uh, um, uh, he now, he now, I believe is, uh, is, uh, 
doing something in player relations for the the, the Cavaliers. Yes, um, he is. I saw him at the game uh, in yeah. Washington on last Wednesday. Yeah, just a very smart, one uh, wonderful guy. He was a, he was a year older than me, and uh, actually in in my uh, calculus class in high school, he was the he was the TA, uh, and he was even at the time he was you know five star recruit going to Duke, and he was. And that's it was still academically like on that level. Just wow, like, that's a funny uh, story. Really, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, a really, really smart, really down to earth, a nice guy. So, I, so we are everyone up here was always uh, very happy for the success he had, even though most of it came in Europe, where he had a he had a, a, a very successful career in, in the Euro League, but was also someone who, uh, by his his father is a history professor at the university up here and. And uh, some someone who is uh, well, I think, well equipped to take advantages of some of kind of the 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 the, the, the benefits that you might have that that uh, being an American playing in Europe might might have. Yeah, so, he's a really he's a really uh, interesting guy. I've gotten a chance to to spend a little time with him, and I, I like him a lot. Um, but you didn't answer my question though. You dodged it. Are you are you the number four NBA person from Alaska? Are you in the starting five? I just I don't know. That's, I, <laughs> I feel like that means you are. If there isn't anybody else that comes off, I figured you would know all the NBA people from there. Um, if there were more far, besides Chalmers and Boozer, as far as I'm, as as far as I know, and and Boozer didn't 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 grow up in, in Alaska. Uh, he's from a military family, and, and his family was stationed up here for a while uh, when he was in high school. So, uh, really, the the two kind of uh, the, the the two NBA players who kind of grew up and came came through here for their kind of youth uh, were were Trajan and, and Mario Chalmers. Interesting. So, okay. Um, we, yeah. So how did you? So how did so, you get into the sport? And um and how did you? How did your? How did your um your path to getting to to writing about the league now kind of? How did it unfold? So I th- this is sort of slightly confusing. I I played in I, I played through high school and, and a little bit of college. I actually did not play on Trajan's team because the high school we went to was a, was a, a kind of a magnet school, which didn't have its own sports teams, but you could play for uh, other, any other, any other school in the district. And, and he played for the, the championship winning dominant 71 players in the team team. Uh, and I played for uh, a different team that did, did, did not have that, uh, <laughs> that kind of success and pedigree. You mean you but, weren't a D one uh, player um, in, in, uh, in up in Alaska? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I, uh, that makes two I, of I us. was, I was, yeah, exactly. I, 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 uh, I played a year and a bit of D three, uh, at, at, uh, Carlton college in Minnesota, uh, which is where I went to undergrad, but I, I kind of, uh, I got into the sport mainly my, uh, my next door neighbor had a, had a hoop in his driveway and it was just kind of something I did on, uh, uh, on summer nights, if, uh, as people might know, during the summer it stays light forever, basically up here. So um, I was I was kind of in the driveway shooting with, and, and he kind of, to some degree, he was a uh, he was a little bit older. He he uh, played it. Uh, he played in college in California um, in, in, in his day. I, I want to say in the '60s, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Freeman, if you're listening, and I and I aged you accidentally, uh, <laughs> apologies. But um, and he kind of took me under his wing and and kind of introduced me to some pickup games and and sort of taught me how to play a little bit. And I uh, I sort of fell in love with the sport there and um, played for a bit in college and and well was on the team for a bit in college. I very rarely played, which was 
totally appropriate. But I think I learned it was very much a, uh, a, a instruction in actually how the, the, the technical aspects of, of basketball, how to, you know, read and react to a play defensively and how to, you know, make sure you're running offense correctly and stuff like that and how to watch film. And, 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 uh, so I'm, I'm always appreciative for, even though, you know, it was, it was at the time, uh, uh, it wasn't, it, it seemed like a lot of work for, for not much to be kind of a bench player on a D3 team. I feel like I've, I learned so much just being around that, that, uh, that, that's kind of continues to help me to this day. Um, and, and as I've also gotten older, like I just kind of respecting the job, how hard it must be to, to be kind of a, a coach at a, at a, an academically rigorous small college where, you know, you have these, you know, smart kids who are being told in every aspect of their life to, you know, ask why and stuff like that. And, and also have all these other things going on, but you have to coach them up for basketball. And that's kind of how, how tough a needle that must be to thread in terms of, of, uh, and I, you know, thinking, you know, back, I, I know that, uh, Greg Popovich you know, has experience coaching at the D3 level, I believe, but I'm wondering if, if how much that kind of, consensus building almost and uh kind of plays into to to his style today you know i have uh, i've heard you 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 talk about how that a little bit about how uh when you spent time down there recently didn't you yeah no and you and uh, as you were saying that it's uh, you know i'm going back down there again soon it's something i might ask that um you know he is he is a guy that's big on on trying to get everybody involved and he, he wants to hear opinions and um you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if when he, a lot of that came from when he was working. I think it was at Pomona in California um, in D3. And, and he, you know, you are kind of operating on a shoestring budget and you're you're trying to, you know, you're, you're working with kids that aren't there getting money to necessarily play basketball. And um, you're juggling a million different things at, at once. Um, so, yeah, that that's a. It's a really interesting point, and I and it it would make a lot of sense if that if that played a factor there. So, um, and and I, anyway, I got off track. So, um, <laughs> and then I've just kind of I've kind of been obsessed with basketball, watched it, argued about it on the internet. Um, I actually had some friends who got hired to do analytics in the league um, a, a few years back, and and um, I just kind of had continued to talk to them for a little bit, and then kind of when my uh, when my, my daughter was about to be born a couple of years ago, I realized I needed kind of a, a hobby that I could do at home since I knew I was going to be at home with her uh, more. And, and uh, so I was like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm used to writing about it in kind of in, in message board and argument form. Why don't I just kind of start writing for writing my thoughts down on my own. And even if no one ever actually reads it, I'll at least kind of put my thoughts down and, 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 and that'll be that. And then, uh, I, I don't know if it was just by virtue of me being clueless enough to think that, you know, I was saying something, um, completely novel or what it was, but, you know, people, uh, such as, uh, Neil Greenberg, um, Ian Levy, who's now the, the, uh, the editor in chief of, of Hardwood Paroxysm Network, which, uh, Nyla Calcus is a part of, um, kind of, uh, I guess, noticed me and allowed me to write for kind of their sites. And, and it kind of went from there. No, and, it, and I'm, I'm happy it's worked out that way because I've told you this and I tell a lot of people this. Whenever, whenever, you, read, whenever you write something and I read it, I learn something. And it's, uh, 
you you like I said earlier, you you have a you get, you have a really good knack of of taking stuff that's really complicated and and you know you 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 dive into the the sport view stats, which I want to get into in a little bit, and the tracking data is much or more than anybody, and you make sense of it for people. Um, and there's a lot of fascinating stuff in there that um, that that people you can really learn a lot from from studying, and you do a great job with it. So what? So so how many different careers have you had before you've gotten to this point? Well, let me see. This is this is concurrently, I think, number five. So I uh, I worked for a, a dot com for in the late '90s, early 2000s, and then uh, most dot coms ceased to exist, including the one I worked for. Uh, then I kind of bounced around for a little bit before deciding to go to law school because what else are you going to do in your early 20s if you don't know what you're going to do with your life? <laughs> right. um, note to listeners in that situation: don't do it. Um, <laughs> I. I uh, I, I, I practiced law for for a few years. Um, uh, then I was a, a, a poker player for a few years, um, and now, uh, in addition to uh, for the, the past uh, now almost six years, uh, um, I've been a, an educational co- uh, consultant up here in Alaska, and um, in, in which I do in addition to the, the basketball writing. So that's. Uh, I guess that's the short version of the of of the, the long and winding road to to here. Now, what is an educational consultant? Uh, so, uh, grant writing, project evaluation. Um, I do some work on 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 digital projects, such as you know, with uh, doing uh, putting uh, educational programs on to like uh, tablets and stuff for kind of uh, museums, uh, smaller museums. We actually have a lot of, of kind of smaller culturally based museums up here. Um, and so, so doing uh, uh, that kind of stuff, which is um, some of it is, is a lot of it is analytics adjacent. Although when you're working with education, you're not necessarily doing the same kind of stuff because you can't really, uh, there's some ethical problems with uh, kind of uh, experiments uh, in terms of, of of educational programs, as you can imagine, yeah, you wouldn't say, um, right? So, you wouldn't probably yeah. not the best idea to use little kids of other people as guinea pigs. Probably, do, probably no, doesn't go no, right. Especially, <laughs> and this, I do a lot of the work I do is with kind of disadvantaged and underserved populations, and you don't necessarily like it's it, it, it uh, some definite definite ethical issues there in terms of you know doing additional testing, poking, prodding, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, so when I keep saying so when I keep saying that Seth is the smartest person covering the NBA, uh, you can see why I say that, because the rest of us just spend our time uh, pretending to know what we're talking about about basketball. Meanwhile, Seth is uh, figuring out how to fix educational problems and then also on the side using data that none of us understand to uh, to write about the sport. So um, it, it makes it... Makes it uh, Makes it easy for him to back up that claim for me when he does this. But all right, let's transition now to talking about nylon calculus. This, you know, you're managing out of the site. It's part of the HP Basketball Network, and it, it, it it's a site that's devoted to um, to basketball analytics. And I, I like I told you before we started, I you know I was getting together some stuff to ask you on the podcast, and I went to the about section on on the website, and you should all go look at it because it it really it really hammers home repeatedly how this is a site for everybody. We want to, we don't want anyone to feel excluded. We want people to ask questions. We want to cater to everyone. And I was just curious, was that, is is that something that, 
is that a response to people um to people maybe getting turned off by it because they don't understand things is it an attempt by you to try to diffuse some of the the tensions that have been in the you know have been out there in the past about people not quite maybe following some of the stuff that's going on um it just was a really fascinating it just was fascinating to read because it was so clearly trying to tell people that you don't need to be scared of coming to this site because we're trying to we're trying to be something that everybody can understand i just thought it was really interesting um i think it 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 to some extent all those things he said um i think that the the mission statement uh, as we sort of grandiosely put it uh something that that when when ian uh founded the site and i i, I we kind of hashed it out uh, amongst the staff together um it, one of the things is we didn't want to be um seem like we were people who already had all the answers because it's as much about the, the, the inquiry as it is about the answers and, and kind of what you said about, uh, about learning stuff from stuff I write. First of all, thank you for that. But um, I feel like if I'm not learning something while writing it, then I'm, then I'm, I'm kind of covering uh, uh, boring ground and, and, and almost wasting my time by writing it. So I think that um, just, just the, 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 the prospect, the, the the process of of writing it and learning these things, even if it's a a small detail about something or kind of proving something that we already suspected but didn't know or anything like that, that 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 inquiry is the is the important part, and that's it's you know the 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 point of 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 getting into analytics, and that's a that's a loaded term that means different things to different people and. And that often is a source of, of problems, but it's it's making it's it's that the it's the inquiry that it's the addressing new information that's finding ways to take information from as much different sources and whether that information is like you said sport view data what we're watching with uh, you know in the game with, with with our eyes what you know scouting reports that 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 that, uh, that people put out on players and prospects to be able to find some way to put that all together. And to kind of just know more about how how this this game works, um, you know, the reason that I kind of got into to I almost fell into the the, the analytics and, and metrics side of it was because I'm I'm a little bit of a tinkerer. I, I I like to know how things work, and it doesn't just apply to to basketball. My my undergraduate degrees in economics, and and the parts of that 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 uh, that interested me were kind of the how if you you know in a complex system if you if you kind of push this lever that ha- this thing that you wanted to have happen happens but this other thing that you weren't necessarily expecting also goes wrong now so it's, it gets very complicated and so kind of un- just under knowing that you're not you're never going to know everything but knowing more is better than knowing less no and that and that's really interesting because to two of the two of the smartest people I know are you and Tom Habistro. Um, another friend of mine, and you both have economics degrees. And I was just curious. I mean, you kind of mentioned it there, but how how much do you think it's it's helped you to um, to have to have a degree to have that degree in terms of trying and 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 applying it to what you've done now? I it from talking, and he's kind of said similar things to me before. It seems like having that kind of very um, that that perspective has really shaped how both of you have gone about doing your jobs i don't want to speak for tom but for me uh 
in addition to kind of some of the, the, the quantitative and, and mathematical skills, which uh, it's surprising you, I, I would say that the, the amount of, of actual kind of hardcore math that goes into a lot of the stuff that, 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 that I do is, is less than, than, than you, you would think, I think. Um, it's often much more about the logic than it is about the, the, the calculation. But um, just the, the awareness of kind of, all right, I'm, to make this simple, I'm making some assumptions. And so those, are, those assumptions, to the extent they aren't true, uh, mean that what I'm finding out isn't necessarily true. So that that so kind of a, a knowledge of of knowing what I don't know and kind of the humility to say, well, this is just part of a much bigger, more complicated thing. Um, I think that that um, helps to not make kind of uh, you know big claims that aren't necessarily that that maybe the data quote supports, but aren't necessarily true. It might be the kind of thing that that someone who knows a lot about basketball and has studied studied it their whole lives might look at it and say, no, that's ridiculous. And they might be right because, you know, there might be, you know, if I'm, if I'm not aware of, of the things I'm not taking account of, uh, those things might be important and completely, you know, invalidate a conclusion I would otherwise come to. Yeah, no, totally. Now, when you said, when you said earlier that, um, that, that the, the hard math equations and the calculations don't, necessarily you know that that more sometimes it's more important that the logic plays in than that what what exactly do you mean by that so there's a lot of of you know there's enough numbers out there that you can you can slice them and combine them and 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 and, you know run regressions and, and and do all these these kind of fancy techniques on them but if it doesn't tie back to something that is explainable in in what you might call basketball language, like, what have you really done? Um, you, you know, you're, you're, um, it's, 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 it's at certain, certain point, it's, that's an, that's an intellectual exercise, but is, is that something that that's, you know, applicable to basketball, either as understanding what's going on, or if you're, you know, if, whether you're approaching it from, you know, a fantasy sports perspective, or if you're, you know, trying to assemble a team from a, a front office perspective or figuring out who to give playing time to from a coaching perspective. Um, if you're not able to tie it back to, you know, uh, what the 10 guys on the floor are doing in, a, in an, an appreciable way, are you actually helping anything? Are you, are you, you know, it's, I, I can slice and dice the numbers any number of ways to talk about, like, how you know destructive to a defense the shots Steph Curry makes are? That's nice. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't mean that, that like it doesn't mean that everyone that anyone else could or should you know do those things because that's that's sort of a, a, a unique talent that he has and and that's not uh, that's not something that that you necessarily even need you know analytics to tell you about. But it's like I can I can describe that. But but is that helpful in any way other than you okay a shot that you you would let you know 448 of the 450 other players in the nba with you know damian lillard perhaps being the other one you you wouldn't um you'd let all those guys shoot but you can't let steph shoot it um you know that i guess that that's helpful to know but it's not necessarily uh it doesn't help you you know figuring out what you're going to do yourself on, on offense or if that, or, 
you know, in your player training, because you're not going to, you're not going to try to teach your players to, you know, take step back 28 footers just because if they could make that shot, it would be great um, because nobody else can do that. Right. Does, does that, does that make sense? Or did I kind of talk? No, I, I, there? no, I think it, I think it makes, I think it makes total sense. And it actually, it actually plays into the next thing I want to talk about, which is I think anybody who didn't know you, um, who has listened to the last half an hour has a pretty good understanding that you know what you're talking about when you're watching a basketball game and you're not somebody that's just sitting and looking at spreadsheets. And does it, does it frustrate you that there is a large segment of people that are around the sport that just look at work that you and others do and say, Oh, that's just some guy that never played basketball that's sitting in a room with his computer with all the lights off and is just looking at spreadsheets and coming up with this stuff as opposed to, you know, like you said, taking a lot of data and watching games and reading scouting reports and trying to come up with a more complete picture of something that's happening as opposed to just, you know, looking at some spreadsheets and and coming up with a formula that spits something out. Uh, is it, is it frustrating? Yes. Um, However, to some extent, it's it's not completely on the there. There's a there's kind of certain segment of kind of the, the most old school for whom it's it's never going to be something that that you know they 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 want to deal with or believe in or whatever. And you know, at the, um, to some extent, that's that's a, a lost cause. And, and worrying about that is is it's frustrating, but it's something that you know probably should just learn to live with as hard as that might be. Um, on the other hand, I think a large part of kind of that viewpoint, um, I think is, is the fault of people who, I don't not to say the fault, um, comes from how people who kind of, uh, do kind of data-based analysis, uh, talk about stuff. If, again, if, if you're not relating it back to something that's, that's, understandable in basketball terms um why is someone who is a genuine expert in basketball um why what have you done to prove that they should listen to you um you know that's one of the things if you really kind of dig into a lot of the numbers you 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 recognize that you know the the it's at a certain point it became kind of a joke but the 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 basketball phd knows a lot about basketball They, they you know without he was, you know, the, the, the number crunchers, they, they were doing a lot of things pretty correct, pretty right already. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not everything you're doing is wrong. It's let's make some improvements based on some things that with the more information we have, we can see that maybe you, you couldn't just through your eyes and experience. Um, and I think that's not always something. And, and, you know, I definitely include myself with this. Um, uh, we're not always great at, at we kind of the, uh, on the data side aren't always great at communicating things in terms that are understandable. Now it's, it's a give and take, you know, the, the, the other side has to, to meet you halfway and the, the smart teams in the NBA are figuring out ways to do that. Um, because again, the, the making information on, on more, making decisions on more information is better than on less. Um, 
and just so so figuring out how to have that communication work in a in a in a a way that makes sense for everybody is is vitally important. Um, but then that 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 requires both kind of to the extent that there's sides in this that it requires both sides you know moving towards the little a little bit. Um, but it probably requires the the data people to move more towards the basketball than 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 vice versa. Just because you know there's you know a hundred years of expertise, you know the 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 amount of of, of basketball experience uh, within kind of an NBA organization going from front office to coaching to playing staff. I mean, it's it's centuries of experience, and and that ha- that has to be respected, I think. And so. Um, you know, figuring out a way to speak that language is is something that's extremely important in terms of of you know getting into the room even so that you can you can demonstrate what you have to say has some value. No, and I totally agree. And I think for a while that was the big challenge, right? There was kind of a the divide. There was you know like I mean it was it was a very movie you know movie style dramatization, but. You know the 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 scene in Moneyball where you have the scouts on the one side and the the numbers yeah. people on the other side, and there, you know, like that that was obviously a little more dramatic than I'm sure it was actually in real life. But there was there was a clear divide in terms of you know in terms of trying to get to bridge that gap. But you know, as someone who's around the sport now uh, for both our both from both of our perspectives, I feel like. Um, from the player side and really just in general, I feel like that gap has gotten much smaller the last couple of years. And just when you're talking to players now and you're talking to coaches now, there's a lot there's a lot more people that are using numbers in regular conversations and you can talk about efficiency in an interview and pretty much everybody knows what you're talking about and you're not getting a look like what planet are you from using this using this talk or this language to me and it it does really feel like over the last couple of years there there has been a lot of progress made at least within the game itself towards getting all of these sides on the same page um and kind of you know breaking down a lot of these barriers that maybe up until a few years ago ex- other than the very you know the teams that really embraced this early and made a point of trying to incorporate it maybe didn't have that kind of dialogue on a daily basis do you do you feel like that's accurate that this that things have kind of evolved in the game to the point where there is a lot more open discussion about um about how to apply this stuff in a way that can make everybody better i think so and i think there's 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 a lot more going on there's i mean there's familiarity there's teams that have had success um, either kind of explicitly or behind the scenes using, you know, uh, 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 metrics. I think it, it possibly has something to do with kind of, uh, people with more of a finance background running more teams now. Um, also, I think it's, it's the, the data that's available is actually conducive to talking about the game in, uh, talking about the, this stuff in a more understandable way. I think that's, um, one of the things that's really come out of, of, of both the sports view system, but more importantly, and I think this is something that the NBA did that was really smart was to, to, it's not all out there. I mean, the, the, the sport view based data you can find on NBA.com is, I don't know, uh, 5% maybe of what that, that information can actually 
tell you. Yeah, I don't think people um, realize just how much data the sport view cameras pick up. I mean, yeah. it, it's insane. And, it, and, and, and the stuff on NBA.com that you can get to is insane. But the just the sheer amount of information that those cameras pick up is really ridiculous. And and the and, and the the fact that it takes actually a fair amount of work to from that data come up with. Um, uh, I interviewed the, uh, the the head of uh, Second Spectrum, which is a a, uh, a consulting firm in in um, uh, L.A. that that does a work with with a lot of uh, I mean a lot of the really smart teams. And and what what uh, what he what the way he described it to me is uh, finding basketball words in the data. And I think that's that's a really good way of putting it because it's uh you know all right this collection of dots that's a pick and roll all right we know that's a pick and roll now we can look at all of those all of that the times that happened and 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 say interesting things about every single pick and roll that has happened in the NBA this year and that's you know that what that was something that you know uh, would have taken you know a couple of, of interns with tape machines, how long to do in the past. And right. Now, right. Um, once, once you figure what, once you figure out what you're looking for, it takes, you know, uh, minutes at most. But I think a big part of the reason why, you know, up till a couple of years ago, some of there, there might've been some resistance is that there hadn't really been new data in a while. And so a lot of kind of the more kind of, uh, involved mathematical techniques with like adjusted plus minus, and stuff like that. Those were the cutting edge because, and, and to some degree still are, but, but that was what people were working on because that's what they had. I mean, you had maybe some box score data, maybe some lineup data, and you could you slice and dice that in, in ways to figure out, you know, controlling for who you're on the floor with, who you're playing against, uh, who, who's good and who's not. And that's, you know, and, and making and doing that more accurately. That was kind of the, the state of the state of the art. Um, that's not necessarily something that's actionable for a team or a player. You can say, all right, you know, a guy who is long a darling of the system before he's, he's declined a little bit uh, in recent years was, was Nick Collison. All right. Nick Collison and adjusted plus minus is great. Um, what is Nick Collison doing? And, you know, you could, you could speculate, you could talk about, you know, okay, his defense is passing his, his screen setting or what have you, but, analytically you couldn't really dial into that and, 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 and figure out what he was doing. And so that made it in terms of usefulness, uh, dicey. Uh, but now with, with, with the, with the sport view system, you can, you can identify a guy like, you know, an Amir Johnson or something like that, who's um, never going to be a big box score guy, but you can see that he, you know, for, for a guy who plays mostly power forward, he protects the rim pretty well. He sets big screens. He, uh, defends the pick and roll well. These are things that you can identify now and 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 uh, see why he's been a uh, a very positive player, even as he's not put up huge box score numbers over the last you know half decade. Right, right. No, exactly. Um, and that and that is the kind of stuff like that you can you can get from um that you've been able to get from this stuff. Now, in in terms of the the is that is that the biggest stuff. That's come out of of the sport view cameras, or is there like when you because you like I said, I, I think you've really taken advantage of them more than than I think anybody in the public sphere in terms of analyzing and, and utilizing that data to to uh, derive things from it. it. Is that is that the biggest thing that you've gotten from it, or or what are what are if if so, what are some of the other things that that is really um, that you've really 
learned about the game or learned about how to how to analyze things from being able to to have that data at your disposal um one one of the things is actually it's uh uh confirming sort of you know we talked earlier that kind of confirming things you've kind of suspected has value too um there's there's an expression that i that i uh i really like that i you know various coaches have used a ton over the years i've always associated with doug collins and he talks about how the nba is a make or miss league meaning that you know you can do everything right but if you miss the shot it doesn't matter you could play great defense and the guy tosses one in from 32 feet it does your great defense didn't matter and that's the degree to which that is true in terms of how, at least at the level of, of detail we have now, like you can play pretty good defense, but you know, the, the, the actual, I don't want to say the, on a game to game basis, uh, it's, it's not always easy to tell good defense from bad, uh, just by whether the shots went in or not. I'll say that. So just how much of kind of the, the ebb and flow of a season is is really just these, these kind of uh, not not just but is is related to these kind of bundles of of you know all right you gave up five straight open three open corner threes they just happened to miss them all um, that that's that, that's a bit of good luck that uh, okay you you probably win that game when maybe if they had hit you know two or three of those instead of winning by five you lose by by you know four or five. Um, and that's, you know, that, that can make a big difference, especially if that, that happens in like a playoff series. Um, and so just seeing how, how the areas in which this, this kind of, this, for lack of a better term, luck, how much it really still plays into, you know, what happens on a night to night basis. That's something that's been, been, that's always kind of fascinating to look at. Um, and sometimes it, sometimes that, that leads to some frustration when, uh, you know, people want to, uh, you know, turn individual games into statements and, and you know, uh, the season starts today and, and big narrative arcs and stuff like that. When it's just like, you know, tonight the shots didn't go in and there's nothing more to learn from that is is quite often what uh, what 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 is really the lesson there. Well, what's fun so about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the, the, what, what's fun about that is then when something actually is happening, no, and I if know. you can actually pull, pull yeah. No, but I and I and, and I understand that that kind of makes me sort of a <laughs> occasionally kind of a killjoy and say, let's eh, slow down. It's just they, they made shots tonight. Tomorrow they won't, and it'll be it'll be back to the same old, same old. I I, I know that that's probably that, that's less fun than than you know. The, than, than viewing it the other way. And, and, and I recognize that. And that, you know, to get back to, um, to what you were saying about the, 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 the mission statement of Nylon Calculus, um, if someone wants to watch the game and, and view it, you know, the, the way that, oh, they, 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 have, they played with a ton of heart tonight. They, they, their shot making was great. And it was, and if that's the way they want to view and enjoy the game, I should, I need to be completely fine with that because that's, it's, it's entertainment. And if that's, if that's the way they are, that that a, that a fan approaches and enjoys the game, that that's great because they're they're enjoying the game of basketball and and you know that shouldn't be something I, I look down upon. That should be something that that we just say that's you know that's that's a, that's a matter of taste rather than than something that's that's better or worse. No, and I and I and I I mean I'm not sure what my job when I was covering a beat full time and now when I'm covering the whole league, 
I don't know what my <laughs> well, I don't know what it I was just going to say like, you know, covering a beat with a team, right? And you're around them every day. You know, 30 years ago, I don't know I don't know how I would have approached it in terms of the day-to-day, but when when I was covering a beat, covering the Brooklyn Nets on a daily basis, there would be a lot of games where, you know, some say somebody would just miss say Brooke Lopez missed six or seven shots he normally would make. And, you know, in the if it was twenty five years ago, maybe I would be ready to just go off on oh, the Nets, you know, they, they blew this game. They're a bunch of choking dogs. How did this happen? And, you know, kind of armed with the knowledge of, you know, not that I'm an expert on any of this stuff, but you know, kind of armed with the knowledge that, yeah, there's ebbs and flows in the season and you're going to have off nights and, um, you know, kind of kind of having a, a more rounded perspective because there are stats that can kind of tell us what's happening and why things are working and what's working. I think it, I think it really shaped how I w- tried not to get outside of myself when covering a beat or now if I go and watch a team for a few games it's it it, I think it I think it has changed at least for me how I would go about doing my job and I think I think it's I think it's had a big impact on on people from that same perspective you mentioned like yeah maybe you know from a narrative standpoint it's a lot it's not as it's not as fun or as you know, thought you know, or uh, controversy starting to um, to say, well, the guy just missed four wide open shots that he normally would make, and if that if he did, they would have won the game, or you know, this would happen or that would happen. But I, I think it I think it has led to a lot more interesting um, discussions about things because instead of getting caught up in stuff like that, we are we're studying things like, oh, well. Maybe this is the end of LeBron's prime because of X, Y, and Z that before we had the opportunity to look at this extra information, we wouldn't have been able to figure out. And then we would have just been arguing about how clutch somebody was or how, um, or how this guy just, you know, this guy should have done this or shouldn't have done that. And, and maybe didn't learn as much about the individual games you're watching and, and just were too worried about narratives. So I think in a lot of ways it's it's actually made it's actually made things a lot better on the whole. Though I think to some degree it's not it's not again it's, I don't know if it's as big as a change as we make it sound like because I mean I'm going to misquote it but I think that again I, I think it was Doug Collins that might have been my other favorite Hubie Brown uh, always would say something like over like uh, you know. No, no team is as good as they look when they're making all their shots, and no team is as bad as they look when they're when when they're missing all their shots. It's, it's, I'm, I'm mangling the quote horror. No, but it's I know like, what you mean. This is something that's it's something that's 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 kind of that that's been understood, and and it's just just kind of like the degree to which it, it it's been driven home with the with with the data is is um it, in a way it 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 um it helps uh, kind of uh, ground analysis and making sure that, that I'm, I'm trying to find something real rather than, than find something that, um, uh, something that was, uh, 
something real as opposed to something, I, I don't know, unique or something that's just an outlier, you know, a statistical anomaly that, that, that happened because there's, you know, you know, you hear, you know, in baseball, it's like the first time a guy has hit three triples after the seventh inning in a night game on a Thursday since 19, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh. <laughs> right. You, right. You know, there's, there's, there's all kinds, all kinds of those things. And that's, you know, that's a, that's trivia without necessarily being useful information. And, and so making sure I'm, I'm, uh, avoiding trivia and, and, and looking at things that are, you know, to the extent that any of it is, is useful, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that those are the things that, uh, that, that I'm, that I'm focusing on. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, it, I mean, we've talked a lot about data that's out there. And I know you're someone, like you said, you talk to people in the league, you study this stuff all the time, you've got a really good pulse on on what's happening. What do you think the next advances are in stats and in advanced analytics um, with basketball that aren't publicly known about now? Um, but what do you, what do you think the things are that that are on the horizon or, or should be on the horizon that? will kind of be the next frontier now that we've got the tracking data and stuff to kind of give us the next level of understanding of what's happening on and off the court around the sport. Uh, there's, there's two big ones. Um, the first is kind of um, health injury prevention, biomedical uh, training that all that whole kind of uh, that, that whole ball of wax and, and, you know, teams are getting more and more into that and just um, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge area just because, you know, uh, the, the best way to, to, to win is to, is to have your, your, you know, it's a, each team has, you know, I mean, the, the salary cap plus whatever they want to spend up to the, up to and or above the luxury tax. But basically each team is working, you know, from the same finite pool of money to have the more of your money on the floor and available to play the big advantage. So obviously like, you know, keeping, keeping your guys on the floor, um, is always going to be a big uh, potential, um, you know, competitive advantage, and that's something that that teams are getting um, more and more into. Whether it's you know wearable tech or 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 kind of uh, machine learning based uh, uh, bio biomechanical, uh, not not just biomechanical, but any kind of medical sleep diet training stuff. Um, I if you uh, 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 remember um, late last year the the uh, Pistons were the first team in the NBA to sign a deal with a company called Kitman Labs, and I uh, I interviewed, but haven't published yet, an interview with their uh, their their uh, COO, um, just talking about kind of not the specifics to to Detroit or what they could do to an NBA team, but the kind of things that uh, that you can learn and help with that, and it's it's really um, uh, fascinating stuff. And I don't want to try to paraphrase it now because it's it's somewhat technical and not at all my area. Uh, in terms of the, the medical stuff, um, but that's 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 one big one, um, and I know that I know that Tom has been Tom Haberstroh has been talking about about that kind of stuff a lot. Right, um, right. He's of, been big on that, of, on that stuff for sure. Yeah, um, and 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 so that's uh, um, in terms of of the thing that that might have the biggest impact. That's probably it. Um, in terms of actual kind of on floor data, um, we still know so much less about defense than we do about offense. Um, even with kind of the, the, uh, the, the tracking data, there's actually kind of some misleading and confusing data that's coming out. Uh, this year I've noticed it more than kind of any time in the past. People have, have started citing to like, uh, defensive field goal percentage allowed and 
uh, for any number of reasons. I don't think that's a, that's necessarily a, a, an especially meaningful stat. Well, let's um, let's stop for a second. Let's stop for a second, just yeah. in case you weren't going to explain. Why do you think that's not something that that should necessarily be be used as much as it is? Well, so there's kind of one situation where you have a pretty good idea where like what a player's responsibility is defensively and how well they did it. And that's kind of a big guy protecting the rim. Um, so that's that, that, in that kind of limited circumstance, I think those are, and I've done some work on that in the past. And I think those are, are um, uh, useful. Um, but then like we were just talking about how, you know, how much variance there is in terms of, of guys making and missing jump shots. And so you're, and, and if, if, the, if you know a guy making or missing, it's pretty random. Now you're going to, you're going to assign that value to the defender. How much of that, how much did the defender do? Or did the guy just miss? How can you parse that out? How can you, if a guy was open, was it the guy who was closest to him's fault? Uh, did someone else get beat? And there's a rotation. Who are you assigning credit and blame to in those situations? We don't have, um, at least in analytic terms, we don't have a, an especially good way of knowing who is guarding who on a possession to possession basis. Even if you were just going to come down and line five guys up, that's not necessarily information that, that, that we have. There's a, there's been some, some work done and, and presentations on, on Sloan about, you know, uh, going through the tracking data and figuring that out. But we don't really even have that level yet, certainly not publicly yet. So if we don't even know who's guarding who all the time, you know, how much faith can you put in that this guy is, has quote forced? Uh, these misses of, of, of jump shots. And, and, and so that's, um, th- that's a stat that doesn't necessarily mean as much as what it might look like. If, if, if that made, if that sort of long winded explanation made sense. Makes, <laughs> makes total sense. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I did want you to explain that yeah. to, um, to people in case they weren't, they kind of weren't sure. So, so what, what is, what is the stuff that, what is the stuff that you're looking forward to seeing? on that side of the ball because well, you think, were going to get into it, I think. I, I think, I mean, the first one is just, is, is just that to be able to kind of um, who who's guarding whom. And I know that, that there's uh, from talking to people in the league, there are people who are working on this and there's, again, there, there was uh, uh, Kirk Goldsberry and some, some Harvard students did, did, uh, did, did some work on this in a presentation for Sloan last year that I thought had some, some interesting kind of conceptual pieces to it. Um, just to even to figure that out and, and to be able to, you know, identify kind of when a switch happens and, and, you know, uh, how well people are, are, are sticking to assignments defensively and, and, and things like that. Um, and then that, that allows for some actual like evaluation of, of who's doing well in that once you actually even know what players are trying to, trying to accomplish defensively. Um, and that's something I don't, I don't have a good sense of what that, that's going to look like yet, but that seems like something that is, is sort of a next, a next thing, whether we're looking at kind of, um, you know, how, how frequently players gamble for steals and how successful they are. And, and even if they aren't successful, if they, if those gambles get burned, you know, if a guy, if a guy only goes for steals in, in, in spots where it can't actually hurt the team. Um, that would be useful. That would be something useful to know versus a guy who is, you know, going for the, like the Hollywood steal and giving up, you know, backdoor layups all the time. Uh, th- those are very different things. And, and being able to figure that out would be, 
uh, pretty useful to know, both as, I think, uh, uh, certainly a, from a talent evaluation standpoint, but also as a fan to, to, to know that, you know, all right, you know, okay, he, he gambled for steel, didn't get it. He's usually pretty good at that, so we'll we'll live with him that time. Let's not let's not, not get all mad at him this time. Or it's like, oh, there he is again, giving up a layup because he always does that. Right. Um, right. But so that. Um, but again, I don't I, I don't have a good sense of what that's going to look like. Whether there's going to be some sort of a defensive box score with you know stats that we haven't even 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 imagined yet uh, that that sort of become. Uh, a new way of measuring defense and allowing defense to be to be uh, uh, treated as closer to equal to offense than, than it currently is. Well, and that and that's um, something. I think is, no, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were stopping. No, that's that's a, and I think that's a, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, we we I mean we we watch the ball. Everyone, you know, watching right. the game, you're paying attention to the ball, and and so that's you know. With you know, ninety percent of the players on the floor don't have the ball, and there's a lot that's happening that matters. And and so, but since we're watching the ball, we get we get so obsessed with what that's happening that we lose a lot of what's what's really allowing you know the the next thing to happen is is occurring off the ball. Right. No. And and I that and I wanted to. I I actually was going to ask one thing at the end, but I I do I I want to stick on this for a second. Um. You know, you've seen in baseball where obviously, you know, advanced stats have really kind of um, were was kind of the first frontier for them, and they've really taken hold in the sport at a lot of levels. But um, defense is is something that even in baseball they really never figured out, other than some shifting, um, a good way to capture it. And you did mention how we do watch the ball, and it it is easier to. Um, to follow the ball, even with the even with the tracking and different things, do you do you think at some point we'll ever have as complete a picture on defense as on offense, or is it always inherently going to be harder to get to get to an equal footing on that? Just because there is so much that's happening that is, like you said, when you're talking about a guy being left open and then who's supposed to rotate and like what whose responsibility is that and that there's just a lot of things that unless you know exactly what happened on that specific play it's kind of hard to figure out what happened and why it didn't work and um and what the breakdown of things was um well first of all i think i don't think we have uh, as good an understanding of that on offense as we necessarily think we do so it, it maybe the ground there isn't as much ground to, to catch up there as, as you might think. Um, on the other hand, uh, I actually, I, I had, I remember uh, earlier this year, I was having kind of simultaneous conversations with, with uh, two people who, who, who do this stuff for real. And like um, one of them was like, Oh yeah, we'll have that pretty soon. And the other one is like, Oh, we're nowhere near that. And I like, I have no basis of saying like, <laughs> I, I guess that kind of sums up you know, the situation, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're both very smart people working on like the, you know, the front lines of the stuff doing, you know, doing the cutting edge and, it, you know, they had no agreement on it and, you know, they weren't talking to each other. They were both just talking to me. So it's, um, I, I don't know, you know, why exactly why one thought one thing and one thought the other, but it's just, there's, you know, um, I, I tend to think we're, 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 we're there no time soon. Um, but I think it's, it's, I think it's 
more theoretically possible than it was four years ago before kind of the, the sports cameras were in every arena. Yeah, no, I, I, it certainly, it certainly is. I mean, look, if you, if you'd have told me five years ago, we are going to be able to have conversations about, um, about statistics derived from cameras that could track what every guy on the court was doing at all times in every arena all season long, I would have not even known where to start trying to figure out what the heck all of that meant. And now we have, you know, a lot of really fascinating information that comes from that, that, you know, like you said, I mean, the best example that's really kind of become a, a, a mainstream stat is, is how guys can protect the rim. And that's become something that, you know, really everybody can understand pretty simply. Oh, look, this guy's gives up, you know, X percentage of shots go in at the rim. And it, you you don't have to know much about basketball to know that if you're a guy who stands at the rim and most guys when they try to shoot don't score when you're there, that's a good thing. So it it is pretty remarkable how in just a short amount of time, you know, that stuff has – has taken hold and and you know to your point about speaking with those guys those two different guys about where things are going you know there's no reason to think that five years from now there won't be one or two similar innovations that will have once again changed how we how we think and and look at stuff sure and the other the other part is and this is something that i don't think gets discussed enough with respect to the sport view is um since a lot of the, inf- the the information that's coming from it is all kind of you're you're figuring out what these these dots on the floor are doing and in kind of naming that, um, the the interesting thing is is as we learn more how to describe you know kind of more words in the word puzzle, you know if you if you've ever done those you know the hidden word puzzles where sure. you're finding like the, the string and that's that's almost how I like to think about it. But as we find more of those words you can actually go back and, you know, after this year, we'll have three full seasons of it. You can go back every season and, and look for those things in previous seasons. So it's not like, um, you know, if you, in the old days, if you're, if you're, you know, charting games on tape and you realize that, you know, what, like, all right, well, it actually makes a big difference if you're, you know, if you're trapping the pick and roll versus icing the pick and roll, that that's a big difference. Let's from now on, let's chart and look at the, look at all those and, you'd only have that going forward. Well, if you figure out how to, you know, do that now, I can, I can say, Hey, well, tell me who was the best at that in 2013, 2014. And, you know, in, in a couple of keystrokes, you could do that. And so as you kind of build up more of a library of this stuff, uh, that, that opens up just, just kind of almost, uh, exponentially increases the, uh, uh, the, the power of that to be able to have that kind of that, that, that ready-made research uh, data out there yeah no totally um i think uh i think that's good what i guess one thing i guess one last thing i'd like to ask you um you're you're a guy who you know like i like i've said a few different times um you've done a lot of great work with this stuff is 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 a goal of yours to work for a team is that something you'd like to do are you happy um in the sphere you're in um kind of just watching and observing and, and doing it from here or or is that something that you haven't even really contemplated? Um, I, it, it's it's funny. That's something when I started, you know, writing about stuff, I, I I didn't even think was was possible. And it's the kind of thing that, based on conversation, seems possible now. And it's uh, I'd be lying in saying if if that wasn't absolutely something that you know 
uh, uh, I was interested in having, having, you know, talked to people who, who've done the stuff for fun and then done it, done it for real. Um, uh, doing it for real certainly would help to satisfy kind of that, that competitive Jones that becomes sort of, uh, inappropriate to let out in, in polite conversation or in polite company, uh, once you hit, you know, kind of 22 or so, uh, <laughs> there's, there's not, uh, you don't want to be that guy in pickup who's, who's treating it like the NBA finals. Right. So, um, but, but actually, um, being able to apply that to, 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 to doing it for real would absolutely be something that, uh, that, that that I hope is 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 on the horizon. Well, we'll be disappointed when it happens uh, as readers. I know I will be, but you will uh, you will undoubtedly make a team smarter whenever they whenever that eventually happens, and I'm sure it will at some point. So, um, so Seth, this has been great. Um, really interesting uh, discussion about this stuff. Um, I think I think it's I think it's it's really great to have your perspective on it. So. Um, where where can people follow you on Twitter and uh, what work would you would you like to plug? Uh, so on on Twitter it's at Seth Partnow S E T H P A R T N O W. Write regularly at, uh, at at Nylon Calculus. Um, been looking this week uh, uh, about kind of declines in offensive rebounding and, and kind of how kind of the, the move to the pacing space era has has. Um, has kind of led to that in a way. So that's, that's, uh, in addition to the, the, the piece on LeBron, those are the, the most recent things I've, I've, uh, I've written. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, um, uh, on the fancy stats blog at, uh, uh, WashingtonPost.com where, uh, um, my wonderful editor at Neil Greenberg, uh, uh, lets me write about basically anything that, 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 that takes my fancy. Well, don't, don't give Neil too much credit now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, Neil's, Neil's great. Um, yeah, you can, uh, you can find my work also at the Washington post. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Um, please subscribe to, uh, the podcast on iTunes, search posting up. Um, you can also give it a review, which is great. Um, five-star review, preferably only would be awesome. Um, you also have a podcast with Jared, right? With Jared Dubin, Seth. Yeah, I, I, we, on Friday mornings, we tend to, to talk about the, uh, the, the TNT games on Fridays, it's, uh, it's, it's called Quo Vadimus, it's, which is a, a, uh, sports night reference. Uh, I, I, as a, as an Aaron Sorkin fan, I, I, uh, I, I enjoy that reference, but, uh, I wanted yeah, you so, to talk about the podcast just so you could get the Aaron Sorkin reference in. Cause I think it's a fantastic name for a podcast. So <laughs> I'm glad you did it. Um, now what time actually, uh, I, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, 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 I found out a friend of mine uh, got got hired by the Dallas Morning News, and uh, and of course the the first thing that comes to mind is is if you remember when when uh, if you're a West Wing fan when uh, Danny gets all mad at CJ and gets yeah, I've written for the White House for you know the New York Times the Washington Post the Dallas Morning News. <laughs> so every every, t- every time I hear the name of that of that paper, that's that's the only thing that that I can really think of. No, so, it make, makes, uh, that makes me laugh. That's great. Um, and, and what time, what I was going to ask was, if you're recording it Friday morning, what time in the morning are you recording it? Because Jared lives here in New York uh, and you, you live in Alaska, yeah. so that, that's a bit of a time difference. Yeah, usually around 6 a.m. Jeez, that's brutal. Well, you know, we, uh, you, when, when, uh, when, you, when you have kids, 6 a.m. looks different than, <laughs> you know, than before. It's, it's not a foreign country anymore. That's a fair point. Um, all right, well, uh, also, I should say before we go, um, 
Thank you to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the music for the podcast. Glenn Yoder is a sports digital editor at the Washington Post, and I think it's great that his music is on the podcast. Uh, go to glennyodermusic.com if you like it. Uh, there's a lot more there. It's all very good. Um, Seth, thank you again for the time. I know you're a little under the weather, so um, I appreciate you coming on, and this has really been fun. So thank you. Uh, thank you for doing it. Thanks, thanks for having me and for, for all the kind words. I've actually been, been, been blushing through most of this conversation. <laughs> so I, you're, you're, you're far too kind. Nah, you're, you're no problem at all. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys soon.